This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. The Holy Gospel according to Luke 15, Luke 15, 1 through 10. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, that is Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. For the word of God in Scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. You matter. You matter. You are seen. You are known. You are loved. No matter how you feel about yourself or what others might say or how off things seem to be in this moment. That is true. And some of us really need to hear that. All of us have gone through periods where we feel like we don't measure up, or we're not good enough, or people maybe just don't care. And partly that's the experience of being human, right? We all want to be seen, to be valued, to be known and loved. And I think we don't just want that. I think we do need that, despite the good wisdom from Mark Nepo, which I really liked. But I think there is a basic human need, right, in being seen, known, and loved. And sometimes we feel anything but. And there are some things that seem uniquely designed to exacerbate or exploit this feeling of inadequacy that we have from time to time. And then at the top of that list has to be social media, right? Now, don't get me wrong, social media is both a blessing and a curse, right? It's a blessing to be able to share with others the, the good things happening in our lives, such as the birth of a child or a new career opportunity or an incredible trip to Europe. <laughs> And before social media, right, you'd maybe get such updates by a, a handwritten letter or maybe a postcard 10 days later, or you'd have to actually meet face-to-face -face in person or maybe call on the phone. 
But now, right, such updates are instantaneous in the moment, wherever we are in the world. In fact, even uh, NASA's Perseverance Mars rover has a Twitter account. <laughs> Tweeting from Mars, so to speak. <laughs> His most recent tweet was, I came to the ancient lake bed of Jezero Crater, expecting lots of sedimentary rocks. I love that a robot could expect something, but that's... <laughs> I see them now at the old river delta, but the crater floor was a surprise. Lots of, and can be surprised, apparently. <laughs> Lots of volcanic rocks. And this tweet was accompanied with photos from Mars. Right? Incredible, beautiful. But how is that supposed to make the rest of us feel who'll probably never get a chance to go to Mars? <laughs> totally jealous. <Well. laughs> totally jealous. But in all seriousness, right, when someone shares something excitedly that they're up to and, you know, posts it with the accompanying smiles and hashtags and hearts, sometimes, through no fault of the poster, the person posting, right, it can have the opposite effect, right? Because when the one longing for a child sees someone else celebrating that joy, that can be hard. But the person who's been jobless for months seeing others with new career success and opportunities. Or the person who's never been to Europe sees someone constantly posting incredible photos from Europe. <laughs> you begin to resent that after a while. <laughs> These are not good examples, I don't know. <laughs> if you didn't know, we took a trip to Europe during our sabbaticals. <laughs> punching at ourselves here. Now, does that mean we shouldn't post good things? No, no, right? Of course not. And it is a blessing that we get to do that, right? But of course, social media also is uniquely situated in that we often only see the best and happiest parts of people's lives online. But the reality is we all have struggle and we all have challenge. And so, of course, there are many factors today that can contribute to our feelings of inadequacy and not measuring up. But you know the one place where we're not supposed to be made to feel inadequate or that we don't measure up or that we don't belong? Church. Yeah, the community of faith, the church. And that's exactly the setting, the context in which Jesus tells these stories. Let's look again at the opening verses of our text. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. All right, we can translate tax collectors and sinners as people who don't measure up, particularly by the standards of the leaders of the religious community. And they're upset about who Jesus is spending time with. Now, in the ancient Near East, scholar Kenneth Bailey notes that a nobleman or a person of high social standing would from time to time offer a meal to feed hungry people in his community. But he wouldn't probably eat with them, right? He'd offer that food uh, so that, you know, people could see his generosity and so forth. <clears throat> but if someone in that position received someone to a meal, that is, they invited them to eat with them, that is an extending of hospitality that acknowledges that someone is your social equal your peer. And notice how they phrase what Jesus is doing. He welcomes sinners and eats with them. And that word welcome is sometimes translated received. And the Greek word there connotes, connotates hospitality. 
And so it's not just that they're mad that Jesus is going off out there eating with sinners somewhere, like we know he went to Zacchaeus' house, the tax collector ate at his house, but he himself is extending hospitality. He's saying to these people that we think don't measure up that you are my equal. And that was too much. Right? They didn't like that. Couldn't handle that. And so Jesus, hearing such grumbling, decides to tell a few stories, as he often does. And he starts off in seemingly innocent fashion. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go off and search for the lost one? Now, we have to understand a little of the cultural understanding of shepherds at that time to really tap into what Jesus is, is doing here and saying here. Now, Moses was accepted as a shepherd. Right? Moses, who was the deliverer of the law, Moses who was called up in Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, our rabbi, the great rabbi, the one who helped deliver the Torah, the very words of God, someone who was held in the highest of respect and reverence by these scribes and rabbis, Moses was a shepherd. And the kings of Israel were often referred to as shepherds, shepherds over the people of Israel. And in the prophets and the Hebrew scriptures and even the Psalms, God is referred to as shepherd. We read that this morning from Ezekiel, or think of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Right? So on the one hand, shepherds were held in high regard. And so it seems, right, that Jesus is paying them a compliment, right? By assuming they know what it's like to be a shepherd. Which one of you having a hundred sheep and losing one? Right, so it seems like he's maybe buttering them up a little. But here's the thing we need to also note. Actual flesh and blood shepherds in the first century would wander around the hills and the valleys and the meadows and get dirty and handle animals. They were not seen very high at all. Right? They were known as Am Ha'aretz, or people of the land. They were seen as filthy and unclean. And so scholars note the irony of the Pharisees accepting shepherds in high regard in allegory or metaphor. But when it came to actual shepherds, eh, not so great, right? So Jesus is actually giving a subtle jab here, right? Which one of you having a hundred sheep and losing one? He knows they haven't touched a shepherd's staff in their lives. <laughs> but there's layers, right? There's layers. He's also... He is sort of acknowledging their role, right? Because they are, in a sense, shepherds over the people they're entrusted to in their community of faith and in their role as religious leaders. And so it's, it's interesting. And in that job, they've actually fallen short. He says, which one of you having a hundred sheep and losing one of them? Now, the scholar Ken Bailey notes that colloquial speech across the Middle East is united in that when any accident or misfortune is reported, the passive voice is always used. So someone who misses a train might say, uh, the train went from me, instead of, I missed the train. <laughs> it wasn't my fault, the train went from me. Right? Or a waiter, right, who has a dish fall to the floor, will say, the dish fell, not, I dropped the dish. Passive voice. And we, so we might have expected the text to say, if the sheep was lost. And that's exactly how the Gospel of Matthew phrases it. The Gospel of Matthew tells the same parable, but it says there, um, if one of them goes astray. So sort of in that passive voice.
But the only exception to the passive voice in an episode of misfortune or accident is when the speaker wants to deliberately blame the person in the story. And so Jesus, when he says, which one of you have a hundred sheep? And losing one of them is being very intentionally accusatory toward these Pharisees and scribes. You have a job! Right? You had one job. No, that's something else. <laughs> you have a job, and you're not doing it. And this accusatory note, uh, Ken Bailey says, marks that perhaps this Lucan version, or the version of this parable in the Gospel of Luke, is more historically accurate, more likely the original from the historical Jesus uh, than the version Matthew tells, which may have been softened considering his Jewish audience. It's hard to say, but that's a side note. And so here's what Jesus is saying to them, right? You are grumbling about who I socialize with, who I spend time with, who I welcome, but isn't it precisely your job to ensure that all are welcome in the community of God? But we know that it wasn't just in Jesus' day, right, that people are hurt by religious leaders. The story is told by a former choir director. When my wife was pregnant with our first child, we confided in one of our best friends in the church, who was also very involved, that we were going to take a break from the church for a few weeks because we had a baby coming soon and we didn't have any help. We were immigrants with no family in the United States. Well, this friend of our friend in quotes, he puts, this friend of ours went and told the pastor about our plans, who in turn called me to have a discussion on my waning commitment to the ministry. I was shocked when I heard the pastor question my commitment to God to my face. This person writes, I love the Lord. I absolutely uh, love to serve God. I've done so all my life. I was having my first child. My wife and I had no family support, and we were a young couple in a foreign country with no help, and all the pastor cared about was that the church needed me to lead the choir at a special church service, which was barely two weeks away from my wife's delivery date. And then a few days later, the pastor again scolded me and my wife about our, quote, commitment to God. And here's the thing. He says, my wife and I had tried to have a child for quite some time and had been unsuccessful, and so our prayer request was pretty well known to the pastor and the leadership of the church. And the pastor used this against us by telling us that God had finally blessed us with a pregnancy and we were repaying him by reducing our commitment to the church. I feel sick reading this. And the friend who first reported this choir director to the pastor, he became the new choir director. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> yeah. But we know things like this happen and we know much worse things happen. So Jesus is saying in both his actions and in his stories that everyone belongs, that each of us matters, and that even if one of us goes astray, they must be found. There are no acceptable losses in the kingdom of God, right? Even one missing is too many. And to make that point, he tells stories featuring people low on the social ladder, right? A shepherd and a woman who's lost a coin. And in another way, you can read this as Jesus implying that this, in fact, is what God would do and what God does, echoing Ezekiel. 
right? That God will go to any length to find those who feel lost, those who are left out. Because in the kingdom of God, all are truly welcome. Ezekiel said, even on a day of storm and cloud and darkness, I will seek you out. And Jesus is echoing that here. And I like the reminder that sometimes God is best seen in the people that we might imagine don't measure up. It's beautiful, really. There's so many layers so often of what Jesus is doing in his parables. And so, friends, no matter your vocation, your economic status, your sexual orientation, your gender identity, your Instagram following, or lack thereof, or literally anything else, right? You are loved, you belong, you matter. And happily, there are also examples of churches and church leaders doing it right. Pastor Emmett Price leads Community of Love Christian Fellowship, a church in the Boston area. And it's a place, he says, for people who have experienced what he calls church hurt. Church hurt. Where there's no hierarchy of deacons, no question about how long someone's been a Christian, or who has or hasn't been baptized. And at the start of every service, Pastor Price says, Welcome to Community of Love Christian Fellowship. God loves you, and so do we. And a lot of churches say that. Maybe most, right? But it's another thing to live it, to embody it. And one of the church members called Community of Love a sort of hospital for injured souls. A hospital for injured souls. She says it's not a coincidence that we all ended up here. And I love that picture, right? A community where we can come and find healing and joy. Healing and joy. And it's interesting that Jesus notes in these parables, there's a couple of moments of joy. One is the first moment of finding, right? The joy of discovering the sheep or the coin that was lost. And then he knows that the shepherd puts the sheep on his shoulders. And that, that moment of discovery is a moment of joy, even though that shepherd knows the hard work has just started because the sheep that's lost will often be immobilized, need to be carried. And now the shepherd's hands are in use, carrying the sheep, and so he can't defend himself against predators in difficult terrain. Right? So it's a vulnerable position and probably a long walk back to the flock. So that's the first moment of joy, is the discovery, but the second is the return to community. Right? When he comes back and says, what was lost is found, or the woman says, I found what was lost, and she likely was poor. And this coin represented a lot. So finding the coin was itself a joy, but it was a fuller joy when it could be shared in community. And so the restoration to community is what makes the joy complete. And so Jesus says clearly to each one of us here this morning and each one of us who is tuning in, God loves you. God loves you. And then no matter how lost you feel or alone, love will search you out. You matter. And our community would not be complete without you. Amen. Amen. Maybe so.
you are invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. streaming on Facebook. You can also watch these messages on the Holland UCC YouTube channel. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org.